Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Summertime Bit Boys. It's me, James. It's Blake. And this week we are discussing the golden era of Disney games. So we looked at three different titles this week. We looked at DuckTales, both the NES and the remaster version, Aladdin on both the Genesis or Mega Drive, if you're from Europe, and the Super Nintendo, and then the first in the trilogy of the Magical Quest Mickey Mouse games. So we're going to start off with DuckTales, just because it's alphabetical. And, uh, alphabetical Aladdin, dude. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Aladdin. Oh, still tired. <laughs> so we're going to start off with Aladdin. So I did the Super Nintendo, and Blake did the Genesis version for this one. So how do you want to approach this, Blake? Do you want to go through the game as a whole or sum up the different elements of each game against each other? Uh, all right, I'll just sum up the difference of Genesis versus the SNES one really quick. Um, so the Genesis version of Aladdin was made by Virgin Interactive with collaboration, collaborating with uh, Disney. So the Genesis version, um, Aladdin has a sword, which is the very first thing most people notice versus the one on Super Nintendo, which was made by Capcom, which plays more like a, they're both platformers, but the Capcom one plays a lot more like a platformer since you don't really have a sword. Both games do incorporate throwing apples. But I would say the huge, the biggest difference between the two would be that the Genesis version had a lot more love placed into it where everyone who designed that game actually took cells from the Aladdin movie and drew over them using pixels. So when you actually play the game, it moves and feels like a cinematic platformer, things like say Prince of Persia or Blackthorn, like we played in our first episode. Mm. It's just incredibly smooth animation. Whereas Aladdin on Super Nintendo everything is incredibly stiff and doesn't have any any type of animated feel to it or look like you would see in the movie. But both games, I'd say, fundamentally play very different and also look and sound very different. Uh, personally, I own the Genesis one. I do not own the Super Nintendo one, but I did used to rent it a lot when I was young. So uh, generally speaking, yeah, you just play about, I think each game has roughly seven stages with different sections in it. Uh, I'd say the biggest difference between the two would be, besides the sword mechanic, would be that, uh, what is it? In the Super Nintendo version, the bonus level is you get to do the magic carpet ride with Jasmine, which is literally the most like chilled out level ever. You just like get gems and listen to like a whole new world and then on the genesis version all the bonus levels you have to play as abu that's kind of i would say like the majority of like the grand differences between the two but obviously there's a lot of nuance between the two yeah i mean obviously like you said um you get an abu bonus stage on that there's the uh magic carpet ride and then also there's the golden scarabs where you just spin the wheel with the genie for oh yes yes that boosts or extra lives and things like that yeah um i will agree with you that the genesis version obviously looks a lot nicer because like you said they basically did something that's akin to rotoscoping where they drew around actual cells from the movie and then digitized them so the animation is a lot smoother but uh I don't know. I just, I don't know if it's because I prefer most of the Super Nintendo games, but I, 
I agree with you. It was stiff. There was kind of less uh, fluidity in there. But I did think that it wasn't too bad with the fact that you didn't have the sword. So there was a lot of acrobatics in the Super Nintendo one because it was yeah. like a, you said, like a solid typical platformer where you jumped on enemies to get rid of them and Aladdin will always do like a little backflip and then you can jump onto part of the environment and go from there. Yeah. So I did think the two games were very different because obviously it's not like today where one system will be predominantly developed for and then they'll just port it to something else and you're essentially yeah. playing the same game with very minor graphical adjustments. Yeah. Just so oh sorry. Carry on. Yep. Go on. Oh no, I was just gonna say these this was at a time where the games had to be made to look as similar as possible, or they just did what they did with this one, where they were just like, okay, two different teams are gonna handle it, and we're gonna get two essentially completely different games with their own artistic license here and there. Yeah, I was gonna say, just go on a little bit of a tangent here. Um personally. I, I kind of miss that, to be honest. I miss yeah. that time period where each system had something different to offer with the same franchise. I feel nowadays, because there's so much cross-compatibility, it's nice that we can all share things. But because, uh, you know, we can't, say, play the same game on multiple different systems, except for a few select ones at this current moment, uh, I miss that, you know, owning, say, like a PlayStation, like, let's say that, you know, they release, like, I don't know, let's say they re they make a new Aladdin game on PlayStation, you know, what is it, 4, and then Xbox One. It would be so much nicer if you have two separate games that feel different. Maybe people would complain, but I think that's the purpose, right? Don't you want your console to, you know, entice you to want to purchase that over the other? I yeah. miss that, personally. I know where you're you? coming from. Uh, yeah, I definitely... I definitely miss having that. And I guess the modern equivalent to that would be uh, platform exclusives, things like Uncharted, yeah. Bloodborne, uh, Halo, things like that. That's kind of how it is now. I do definitely miss the subtle differences between uh, different versions of the game and seeing how they made it work. Like, uh, again, a bit of a tangent, but a really interesting one will always be the Resident Evil 2 on the N64. Yeah. Like, uh, that was a huge game. And one of the main caveats of people not wanting to develop for that console was because there was no real way that people came across to go, okay, cartridge one's full. We need cartridge two. That didn't yeah. exist. There was no, I think Banjo Kazooie tried something called hot swapping, where you took something from the first game and you were supposed to hot swap to the second game and it would carry the file over to unlock something, but they couldn't get it to uh. work properly. And it was so impressive to see what was essentially developed for Sony exclusively at one point, watching them kind of make adjustments and trying to get it onto a different platform. And like yeah. you said, it's it kind of almost, well, it embodied that like fanboyish nature of, why Why would you pick Sony over uh, Nintendo or Sega specifically? And you could say, oh, well, because this is on it or this looks better than this. Whereas now it's more, if I feel, just a brand loyalty thing. Exactly. That's why I kind of miss it. And that's one aspect of retro gaming that I think will always kind of be a bit special, which is why I think the Disney games are fun. 
there is a lot of uh, differences. But yeah, jumping back into Aladdin, um, I agree with you. I think there is a lot of fluidity to the Super Nintendo one versus the Genesis because of uh, the backflipping off of the jumping because you mm-hmm. can jump into the background or grab onto these kind of like handlebars. Yeah. So you're always kind of moving. But um, I think it's interesting, actually, because I recall when I was young, the Genesis Aladdin game was always held on a pedestal. But I've heard that nowadays in the retro community, there's a lot more people who feel that the Super Nintendo Aladdin should get a lot more love, maybe even more than the Genesis one. Because the Genesis one kind of lives as being one of the, was it? It's like one of the most, it's I think third best-selling Genesis game of all time, if I remember correctly. Hmm. It's like Sonic 1, Sonic 2, Aladdin, and then Sonic and Knuckles, if I remember correctly. So it beat out Sonic 3. Yeah, basically. I mean... But did you... Oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I guess one of the reasons why I was... uh, When I was looking into it was the the whole thing you said about it having hand-drawn sprites. That was actually a first uh, of having hand-drawn animated sprites. It was one of, if not the first games to do that. So I can understand why there'd be that almost fervent uh, fanboyish nostalgia goggles around it because this one had kind of like a USP, like a unique selling point where it's like, yeah, oh, we did this. Whereas those other guys just drew their own sprites like everybody does. So I can understand why that would be. And then like you said, the inclusion of the sword maybe gave it a little bit of a different edge because platformers typically you would get an ability that allowed you to attack, but it was usually like a power-up. It was never yeah. a permanent fixture. Well, you know what I think that's interesting, though, is so, what's his name? The dude who made Resident Evil, Shinji Mikami? Yep. He worked on the SNES Aladdin. You know uh-huh. that? No, He I was not. the game designer. Um, and this is what he said about uh, the Genesis versus the, SN- the SNES one. He said he probably would have bought the vir- the Virgin game or the one for Genesis mm. because it had a sword and better animation. But he worked on the SNES one, so he couldn't bring himself to do it. <sighs> so I think it's funny. So even the guy who was the main game designer for the SNES one even felt like, yeah, I'd like to buy that one. I guess for me as well, like uh, I know you usually say you could take it or leave it depending on the game. But again, like the music. I felt the Super Nintendo sounded better. Oh, for sure. It has a way better sound yeah. card or whatever you call it. But Genesis does have chip. that kind of cool yeah. Yeah, sound chip. There you go. It, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it has its own unique SNES sound. One. But obviously, because I went through the Super Nintendo one, and then I played a little bit of the Genesis one just for comparison... Yeah. It's maybe an unfair thing to say, but I almost felt like the Genesis one sounded horrible. It was almost kind of offensive to my ears after playing the Super Nintendo one. Because Yeah, Super Nintendo has a way better sound chip. Yeah, but Genesis has that kind of iconic sound that if used right, like um, obviously a crux will always be uh, Michael Jackson or the Sonic games. They knew yeah. how to use it, how to make it sound good. But people who maybe the music was an afterthought or didn't care too much. Uh, it just sounds like garbage every time. Yeah. Especially because so. Disney songs, I think have more harmony 
yeah in them and i think genesis doesn't really i mean obviously all music has some form of harmony but i don't think it can produce the same kind of melody that the snes can no so it was better suited to kind of I, don't know, I always associate the Genesis with more like of a grungy, edgier kind of adult gaming system that maybe that oh, yeah. was the thought that they had in their mind when they were designing the sign chip, uh, the sound chip to make it sound more kind of, I guess, more rough to give the appearance or emulate the, oh, we're big boy consoles for big boys. That's a toy over there. That's for kitty winks. But as you said, because it's a Disney IP, it works a, a whole lot better with kind of, I guess, bit tune renditions of certain songs, especially Disney songs that are always quite light and bouncy for the most part. Yeah. But um, one thing I'll say about the Genesis one versus the SNES one is one thing I'd say that would separate it in sense of be like Genesis is more of an adult system was that what you see in the background in the Genesis was very different than what you see in the SNES one. So for example, in the dungeon level of Genesis, I know you, I don't think you got this far, but in the dungeon level, you'll see skeletons everywhere, which I don't think you see in the SNES one, but the skeletons will have like little Mickey mouse hats on them. (laughs) And then if you pay attention in certain sections, they have Sebastian, the crab and the little mermaid being hung by his claws. Yeah, I think I remember as a kid seeing something like that in the background. And I thought that was hilarious. I was like, oh, man, that's amazing. But one thing I'd say that the Genesis one, I think, severely fails on was that a lot of the game design was based on kind of cheap retro patterns. For example, there are so many leaps of faith in the Genesis yeah. game where you're just like, uh, what do I do here? It's like, I guess I just jump and hope I land on something. Whereas the SNES one didn't do that. And I'm going to give it to Capcom. Capcom was a far better game designer during the 90s. Virgin, I think, you know, they were still fairly new at the time, I think, compared to Capcom. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, you know, I didn't like that. I'm going to say the common factor between all these games that, or half of these games we looked at is they're all Capcom developed games. Capcom developed and published. So, yeah, by that point, Capcom had already made a name for themselves, especially on the 16-bit era. Oh, for sure. And uh, obviously they'd already, like you said, they'd had practice in the 8-bit era with the Mega Man games. So by that point, platformers were bread and butter to them. Yeah, they had a system of how to get it to work. Yep. So so far for me, it's kind of the Super NES one edges it out just because of the visuals aren't terrible. The sound is way better and it's more of a stereotypical platformer. But the one thing I did feel was a bit weird was there were only like three bosses in it. Yeah. Same for the Genesis one. There's roughly three bosses yeah, and the bosses in the Genesis one were all original and weird. Oh, uh, I didn't get that far. I, kn- I noticed when I played through, that there was a lot of, artistic license taken especially in the cave of wonders there's like ganesh or shiva type statues throwing stuff at you yeah and uh, they took a lot more artistic liberty with it but uh um, yeah i mean there wasn't much to work with essentially when you consider no, the whole thing yeah. i mean i mean in the cave of wonders on genesis there was this ghost that looks like a sperm <laughs> <laughs> and then the boss 
was this yellow fat thing that has no pants on. Instead, it has like a third leg where it's like groin would be. And it uses a sword there. So it's like this fat, yellow, sexual thing. Kind of reminded me of the that yellow guy. Was it Yellow Bastard from Sin City? Oh, yeah. Except, you know, had like big old fat lips. Oh, And man. so it was, it, it was not appealing. It was very gross. No. Because um, I think the three bosses in the Super Nintendo one are one of the city guards, yeah. uh, Jafar Normal and Jafar Snake. Yeah. So they kind of, they were a little more faithful. And I felt the pacing of the games was different as well because the Cave of Wonders, I think, is the second or third level in the Super Nintendo one. And the yeah. carpet chase scene is relatively early, whereas that's like, Later half of the game in the Genesis one, I think. Yeah, the Genesis tries to go through all the beats of the film. So I feel that the Super Nintendo one kind of, I'm not going to say flies by, but yeah, the pacing and how the levels are set up are, does feel quite different for sure. Yeah. But the carpet chase scene in Genesis was far more difficult than what you deal with in the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I remember um, playing as a child, and that's why. I was hesitant going back to this because until you actually mentioned to me that they're like completely different games, it didn't click at all. It's just like, I played the carpet scene and I remember hating it. And then I was like, oh, that's because that's the Genesis one. It's a lot harder. Yeah, Genesis one is really difficult. I was kind of surprised. I was like, damn, I for I don't know how I beat that game so many times as a kid. I must have memorized the pattern. Yeah, well, that's what those games usually tend to be. Uh, pattern memorization because yeah. like um to compare it to something it'd be like battle toads the uh yeah the speeder bike scene like there's no way you're getting by on reflexes you need to know yeah. what's coming and you almost need to memorize like up down up down jump pull back speed up you need to know what's coming yeah and, and also the actual location of where you need to hit the jump is bullshit yeah it's one of those things that we, I think we've discussed before, like because cartridges could only hold so much and they needed the game to last. It's like arbitrary padding to make the game difficult on purpose so that until you failed five or six times and you have the timing down, you won't be getting past that stage. Yeah. Which is why obviously they have level codes for those types of things. So it, it pisses you off just enough, but not enough for you to want to never play the game again. Yeah. Did you notice that in the Super... Well, I don't know if you know, but in the Super Nintendo Aladdin, there's two different endings. Technical... Yeah, there's two different endings and three different sayings in the credits. Did you know that? No, I did not. So basically, depending on how many gems you get, you'll get a different ending. So I think it's like if you get less than 50 gems, uh, the end of the end credits is like you and Jasmine on the carpet going through the night sky similar to the bonus level however yep. if you get over 50 gems it's like different i think scenes of you playing the game and then it gets the end screen showing like agrabah the big city yep and uh also the sayings are different and uh what is it i got 69 gems because you know i'm rocking it i didn't get 70 which means i'm not i didn't get the best saying but i got you are great player oh. if you get 70 you are super player, but you are a great player. feels pretty good. Like, I've made my day. I'm a Con great player. Congratulations. You are a great player. Also, uh, another thing, too, is that Super Nintendo ending screen. I remember as a kid, I was like, it's the end. And then 
it just stays at the end and it never goes away until you turn off the game system or reset it. Oh yeah, kill screens. Yeah, it just like it just stays there. And you're like, wow, it's not gonna go back to the start screen like the Genesis one does. I think also Genesis one Aladdin and Jasmine kiss and they stay kissing throughout the whole entire credit scene because it's the adult console. We can handle kissing. Humana 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 boner. It was so, bonerific. I think though, like an interesting point on that when they used to hang at the end is I always thought that was like, for me as a kid, that was like a, a moment of anticipation because I was like, oh, is, is this it? Does it hang there? Or is there going to be something else at the end? It's like movie credits when you stay yeah. after like a Marvel movie because you know there's going to be like a snippet for another film. Yeah. So f- for me, especially with RPGs, I would always like leave it on for like 10 minutes because I was adamant that the second I turned it off, I would miss out on something. <laughs> Serious case of FOMO, man. I know, right? It's like, it's like when you leave the party and then they're like, oh man, we just stay 10 minutes later, man. You would have saw it. It was crazy. Just like, yeah, like you left. And then five minutes later, the hottest girl in the room starts handing out blowjobs like candy. Oh my God, blowjibbers? Blowjibs. But yeah, for me, that was like part of the game experience was like, hmm. <laughs> was getting um, blowjibbers? Yeah, that was what the game definitely when I was like eight years old. That's all that was on like, my mind. Excuse me, can I get a blowjibber and a biscotti? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mother, leave the room. It's quarter to blowjibber. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if Jasmine, our little pixelated princess, was going to be able to do that for you. No. Not enough. You have to squint real hard at the screen to like make out a woman in those eras. Yeah. Well, on um, speaking of like Aladdin stuff, what I find kind of interesting was so I was kind of curious how to play both the games. So I wanted to look at the sprite art in detail. Mm-hmm. So I went to one of those like sprite archive things just to see how many frames they use, especially with the Genesis. Because I mean, oh my God, the animation is so good on that that it really holds up to today. It's really nice. Anyways, as looking it up, I found out that there's some Disney princess game for like GBA where you can play as Disney princesses. Now, whatever, you don't have to care too much. You know, it's meant for little girls. However, if you play as Jasmine, she has like a giant like sword. And I was just like, whoa, did they take inspiration from the Genesis game? And the sprite art, she can stab with the sword and cut and slice. I was like, oh, that's, that's not what I would expect from a Disney girls game that Jasmine had the sword. We're all about that female empowerment now. Well, yeah, but Jasmine was like the first one to do it. She wasn't Ariel giving up her legs so she could get with Eric and be like, I need a man. <laughs> well, that's like kind of leads to that. The reason they probably don't do it is because uh, what was that? Is it a Disney or Pixar film? Uh, Brave with the Scottish girl. Uh, Pixar, yeah. And that one like tanked because no one wanted to see it because everyone wanted their stereotypical damsel in distress type thing. Well, you know, Rapunzel stood up for herself in Tangled and that did very well. I think it was, I think part of it is also that no offense, like Brave is like one of the more ugly Pixar movies in my opinion. Those characters were pretty ugly. Is it because they're all Scottish? (laughs) No, I think it's just, they didn't look good. Do you not like Like Pixar? Is that what you're trying to Gingers tell us? They're fine. I have Gingers no don't have souls. I have issues with freckles. I think Ooh. freckles are kind of creepy. They kind of go hand in hand though with that hair. 
I know, but I'm not blaming them. I'm talking about like, just across the board. <laughs> well, what, what do you mean, them? What do you mean, you people? You know what I'm talking about. <gasps> the fair complex, the fair, the fair-skinned people of the North. Oh, the Vikings. The North. Um, anyways, so yeah, I thought I thought maybe because of that. But then again, yeah, maybe you have a good point. But Rapunzel had a frying pan. She beat the crap out of people. She was a go-getter. She had moxie, man. Yeah, but she was still using a frying pan. She knew her place. And hey, hey, what about Elsa Disney. and Anna? Elsa was I, I queen, seen, and she was like, okay. I've seen Frozen. Well, sister, fucking sisterly love, man. You don't need love of a man. Female empowerment as well. And that shit sold, you know, what, like you say, gangbusters. Anyways, gangbusters. we're talking a lot about Disney movies. But uh, yeah, Aladdin, uh, I think both games are great. I'm going to yep. be honest. Uh, I prefer the Genesis one because... The animation is just so clean and uh i like the sword and when you hit swords with other people the screen flickers white which i thought was yeah. always really cool and if you hit an if there's the fat soldier who's eating like donuts out of his pants if you hit him with an apple his pants fall down and then you see his boxers with like the little hearts on it yeah and he screams and the animation is so good on that and as a kid i used to always like giggle so uh yeah really good but i would say the SNES one is not far behind. Like if I had to put on a point scale, it's like 0.5 difference. It's so minuscule. Yeah. The only thing that holds the SNES version back to me is the animation. The animation so stiff. Yeah. The animation. Also, I, love, I, love, I, go on. I The animation and the level of detail on the sprites. Because uh, it does that thing where the Aladdin and Jasmine carpet scene because there's yeah. sort of two sprites on the screen and obviously then with the carpet is supposed to be one entire sprite. They don't have yeah. faces. Yeah. It really annoys me when uh, games kind of do that. Because they would have just put like a little black dot for eyes and a ridiculous smile face and you'd be like, ooh. Well, it's just yeah. like one of those things where it's like they... I, I get why they didn't do it, but it's just that thing of like, you could have made the sprite bigger. There's not that much on the screen at that point. You just wanted to see her midriff, bro. That's all right. No, it's in the, it's in Europe. It's like all games like that. Like uh, the statues in Castlevania where they like covered up the cleave with more bra and stuff like that. We can't have oh, any, yeah. we can't have any sexual arousal. It Excuse doesn't happen me, in so England. I guess you couldn't see enough of Aladdin's sexy chest. Yeah. Pretty much. You see his pectorals. His only chest and his inside rib cage, like non ab. Oh, also, he had no nipples. Don't forget that. Oh, I never had nipples. And that always confused me as a kid. Why does he have no nipples? That's weird. Uh, But I'm going to say this I liked that carpet ride scene. I always loved it as a kid because I always felt it was like the most like relaxing. Yep. part of any game because it's like oh this is like the intermission of a game like let's just get three points and some lives listen to like arguably one of the best disney songs and then get to the next part it's like nice yeah definitely that feels good so yeah i think that brings us to uh our next disney franchise the one of the most famous ones the uh, ducktales ducktales did you so, watch ducktales growing up oh yeah hell yeah of course Everybody, that intro, right? That intro is like the bee's knees, right? I saw, uh, as I was like getting ready this morning, I saw, um, I can't remember which two actors it was, but it's like somebody in a suit and the idea is like me having a good time and then there's someone creeping up behind him saying, the ducktail steam coming in on loop. Because as soon <laughs> as you hear it, that is it. 
It's in your head all day. I don't care who you are, even if you don't sing it. Just that goddamn like chorus, like Ducktales, just over and over well, and over. <laughs> speaking of that song, um, this is a little bit personal, but it's okay. Um, did I ever tell you that when I was preparing for my wedding, you know, we had to come up with like a song list, and uh, so at the wedding venue. This is obviously not at the wedding day. This is months ahead of time. Uh, I like snuck in one song. So like, we had to play all the songs and uh, Sound and I were preparing, but there was one song I didn't show her and I wanted to try and sneak it in. It was a DuckTales song. My wife saw this and uh, she just was like, what is this? And then she played it. She's like, we're not putting this on at the wedding. I was like, everyone is going to be jamming out to DuckTales. And she's like, no one's going to understand, but yes, they will. It yeah, crosses oh, culture and language. All the like, oh my god, that would, uh, beat! Oh off, no, Japanese people the... would hear that and be like, "Oh my god, what is this sick beat?" No, they, they would start like I think dancing, like twerking. What you would have got is like half of the room, because obviously I was there. You half the room like looking around and like confused, and then all the fucking white faces like jump up and just go like, "Woo!" People would just be like going like completely mad throwing like cake everywhere jumping on tables shaking their booty left and right ripping off their t-shirts we're like where's screwed your duck i want my money so yeah jesus christ hey ducktales was great man you know they re they rebooted the series yeah and they had the i think the voice actor was um what's his goddamn name he played one of the doctor who's he's really david tennant was it david tennant he plays scrooge let me just double check that it's the right guy I'm thinking of. David Tennant. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was Scrooge McDuck. You know, yeah. the original Scrooge yeah, he McDuck was, was uh, Scrooge McDuck, Alan... David Tennant. Okay, cool. Yeah, Alan, was it Alan Young was the original Scrooge McDuck, who was a, a British actor, I believe? Uh, I, look, I look it up, the original Scrooge McDuck. I believe uh, it's Alan Young. Scrooge McDuck original actor Scrooge. Duck. Actor. I am pretty sure it's Alan Young he just died yep not Alan Young ago. yeah he played Scrooge McDuck and even did the voice of Scrooge McDuck for the DuckTales uh, remastered which I thought was great because when you actually oh, yeah. hear because everyone talks in it yeah and they got all the original voice actors except for two because they passed away but I was so happy to hear that Alan Young was doing Scrooge McDuck. Not that David Tenor, Tenor, Tenet? Tenet. Why do you Tenet. Say David Tenet. Tenet. David Tenet. He's not bad at all, Scrooge McDuck. But, you know, Alan Young, he's oh, the yeah. original Scrooge McDuck. When you hear that, you know that's Scrooge McDuck. But like, how, well, hearing his voice is so good as Scrooge McDuck. Like, yeah. oh, God. It's like the Muppets' voices, how some of them are different now, because obviously some of the voice actors <laughs> have passed away. Yeah, waka, waka. 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 <laughs> Who wants to hear a funny-ass joke? Joke. <laughs> But yeah, but, um, yeah, that was obviously going into this is going to be a point in the remake's favor because that obviously wasn't possible with the NES version. Yeah, but uh, obviously I'm gonna also. Just... Yeah, uh, sorry, one last thing I want to say about the reboot is uh, Donald Duck is also more prominent in the reboot yeah. than he was in the original, and just as like a little tidbit, I think it was hilarious is uh, in one of the episodes. They Donald Duck gets like some type of device stuck in his throat so he can talk correctly, and they hired Don Cheadle to be the voice of Donald Duck. 
So like when Donald Duck has a clear voice, he sounds like Don Cheadle. <laughs> it was really funny. You can find the clip on YouTube, but he's like, I can't do his voice. It was like so clear, just like Huey, Dewey, and Louie, let's go do this. I was like, what the hell? Donald Duck does not sound like that. Don Cheadle. Yeah. Yeah, if you uh, YouTube it, it it's, it's pretty funny hearing the clip because it's just, oh my God, Don Cheadle is like, Donald Duck just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it uh, after yeah, this. Yeah, do it later since, you know, it's going to sound kind of weird if you hear Don Cheadle jumping into this podcast. Yep. So, but, uh, uh, oh yeah, so go, go on with the DuckTales. So all I was going to say was, um, obviously the first DuckTales game came out on the NES, so it's an 8-bit game where you have, I believe it was five or six levels that you can yeah. select and you kind of go back to the same couple a few times. But it's a very straightforward game. You collect treasure, you beat a boss at the end where the bosses are actually pretty easy for a Capcom game. Yeah. They have very predictable repeating patterns that really aren't that challenging at all. Yeah. And the idea is just that you go through each one and you collect the treasure with a tiny bit of backtracking to maybe get a key to progress in a different level. But you yeah. can essentially walk, <clears throat> jump, uh, hit with his cane like a golf club and pogo stick off his cane as well, which yeah. lets you, you keep immune. continuously jump. Yeah, like gives you higher kind of reach and makes you immune to floor hazards like spikes. So yeah. it's a pretty straightforward game. There's uh, not that much to it. But... It is definitely a Capcom game because it is a lot like Mega Man and it is very solid. Like the jumping is kind of spot on. The controls are really tight. And um, obviously I haven't really played much of the remake, but it's always going to be up there for me. And that's mostly due to Smooth McGroove as well is the moon theme is one of the best 8-bit game tracks I have ever heard from the moon level. Oh, it's for sure. Like... I think my favorite, but in general, all the DuckTales music yep. is legendary. That music is great. It's so on my good. Steam, the remaster, so I suggest you should check it out. Um, yeah. I loved it. I actually got it on the Steam summer sale. I had, sadly, in Japan, it's not on Steam, but it's on American Steam. And I think it was like only $3. So my yeah. friend just like gifted it to me and I was like, and I just sunk in a few hours into beat it. Love it. Also, the remastered version, it's truly crafted with love. You have all yep. the voice actors coming back. They hand-drew everything. And uh, what is it? Like, when my wife saw the game, she immediately was like, wow, this game is, like, so cute and looks great. And even she wanted to play the game. And she was like, oh, this music's nice. And she doesn't play games. So I was kind of surprised that even she wanted to jump in and try the game out. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those games where, like, it's great. Like, you can easily pick it up. Any kid can play it. Any adult can play it. It's simple, but it feels good. It's just su such a solid game. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those games that I do keep meaning to go back and play because like you said, I think when I had a PS3, if you yeah. had a PSN subscription, that was one of the games they gave away for free. And I did oh, grab it, it and I started playing through it, but I don't think I ever finished it. But I do remember the artwork being absolutely fantastic. The music was spot on. Like you said, it was really nostalgic to hear the voice actors coming back and reprising their roles. It was just a game that it was a solid piece of gaming history, but 
it had no right being as good as it was for what was essentially just a tie-in game. And then to see them just seemingly at random pull this one uh, game, because I don't think they ever had a franchise. It was like one and done with DuckTales. Yeah, just and, one game. Yeah. To just but, it was, pull... but there's a fan favorite. It has a oh, huge yeah. following. But just to like pull that one out and just go, okay, this is the one. And then the amount of effort and detail and time and resources that must have been sunk into it. Well, you know, the developer was a way forward. Yeah, they're killing it. Never stopped yeah. killing it. <laughs> that's why I think it did so well. I think WayForward's one of the few, you know, companies that still cares about making really good games. I mean, they're one of the few, uh, you know, bigger companies that makes really solid games. I mean, the Shantae series has always been a very solid series. Yeah, they also did the uh, remake of River City Ransom, the River City Girls. Yeah. So they were doing. Would it I be mean, considered a remake or just more like a sequel? I guess like a homage or something like that. But yeah, yeah. E- either way, it's a solid game. The Shantae games are pretty good. Their new game that's coming out, I mean, I don't know much about Bakugan. But from what I saw off Nintendo's Treehouse Live, it's pretty... Uh, it's, uh, Is Bakugan like that? kind of like beyblade or something or am i confusing things no it's like the toy i remember always wanting one of the toys because they're like they look like little marbles and you roll them on the floor and they um they land on the little cards and then like a monster flips out of them and they're really cool but in this kind of i mean like i said i don't know much about it but in this game they kind of just look like transformers almost and they kind of just fight each other like tamagotchis and you like collect things off the floor as the human while they're fighting it just didn't look great yeah so i was surprised that their name was attached to it when uh this is a company that's kind of built their name off solid 2d sort of side scrolling type games who knows i don't know what is bakugan like i'm i'm not a youngin so i don't know (laughs) if bakugan is like oh yeah it was also called spin masters i think i don't know like i said it's it's something that's always been in my conscious but i've never like seen anything to do with it yeah like all i knew about was the toys and then like at my previous job um one of the kids brought the toy in i was like oh this is pretty cool let me play with this and then I kind of wanted to go and get some, but they're not cheap because of all the moving parts in them. They're like pretty intricate toys, but yeah, I was just surprised. Oh yeah, now I see. I looked it up. Yeah, it's like they're little balls, and they trans, and then the balls open up to create some little figure. Yeah, so I was surprised to see like um, their name attached to something like that. But yeah, I think I remember kind of seeing pictures or something of like the anime and thinking like. One of the girls looks like that one famous Vocaloid character, Hatsune Miku. Oh, okay. She has like the big pigtails and she has like a giant white eyes and the like O face. Like, oh. <laughs> so that's all I kind of remember about it. But yeah. now seeing it, I'm like, yeah, I've seen this before in like Target. So like way forward, uh, for people who don't know, we're kind of like a modern game company that have done a lot for the old school kind of aesthetic of things like retro style games. They made a lot of side-scrolling platformers, obviously DuckTales like we're talking about. 
the Shantae series, uh, more recently, River City Girls, which is like side-scrolling brawler type game. Uh, they've yeah. done a lot of licensed games as well, but they've always been relatively decent. And then every so often, they'll release a stinker. Like uh, the one that sticks out in my mind the most was uh, Silent Hill Book of Memories. Oh, they now, did that? I don't know if there are two companies. There's WayForward, and this one was developed by WayForward Technologies. Oh. So I don't know if that is like a offshoot or a like a sister company, but that game, ugh. If it, that was the same way forward that is making games now, I am surprised they lift that one down because that game is universally panned. Huh. But uh, interesting. Yeah, they they had a hand in the uh, what is it, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night as well. Yeah, I was thinking they worked on that game, but I wasn't sure. So they have Bloodstained very... series is supposed to be pretty good. I've heard. Yeah, uh, I mean, I played the recent one, uh, the most, say the most recent one, there's only two. I played the 3D one recently, and I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I haven't played the old school one, but yeah, like I said, relatively solid track record, and obviously the DuckTales remaster game kind of lives up to their reputation of when they want to do something right, they do it fucking right. Yeah. Like they're second to none when they actually go out of their way to master something, to say that we're going to do this and we're going to do it no expense spared. They are one of the companies that you go to for that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, like all companies, they can't always be hits, but they've had some some real stinkers in their catalog. And I apologize if WayForward and WayForward Technologies are two different companies or sister companies, but it's just that yeah way forward sponsor us yeah you know like give us some copies of uh the shantae games because they're hard to come by yeah i'll review it also do you know that way forward worked with trigger animation studios to make like an intro for shantae i did not i know they had some pretty slick animation in them but i didn't realize that yeah you know trigger did like what kill a kill little witch academia and yeah. maybe some other stuff i can't think of anyways yeah that's kind of cool uh, DuckTales, not, I guess we're gone off on some tangents about the company, but yeah, DuckTales, great game. Uh, nothing to complain about. I suggest you play either one. Yep. Uh, the old Actually, one. Actually, I'd say maybe play the remaster. I think that one, if you're like old school, I think yeah. remaster, it gives you those, some hardcore nostalgia feel. I think if you're going to play the remaster, I mean, <laughs> It'd be nice to like go back and play a level or two to see where it came from, but I do think if you're going to play the remaster, you don't really... It's such a good remake that you don't really want to go back to the original yeah. other than to just kind of see where it came from because it does such a good job of taking everything to the next level that I think it would be quite hard to play the remaster and then go back and play the original. Yeah, I, I did that as a refresher and... Yeah, I mean, the original is still great, don't get me wrong, but yeah. as I said, like the animation is like hand-drawn in the remaster and hearing the voices, it just, yeah. it's just like this punch in the heart where you just feel like, oh man, that's so good. I mean, so. an, an improvement is an improvement. It doesn't tarnish the original game in any way, shape, or form. It's just one of those things of where you're like, 
why would you go back to doing this thing the difficult way when there's a better way to do it? Exactly. So that's all it is. Um, so uh, I guess that brings us to Magical yep, Quest. Definitely. So Have I didn't you played this game before? Mm, oh, sorry. Yeah, I interrupted you. Sorry. Go on. No, 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 no. It's fine. I was going to say I have... I don't know which one because I didn't realize there were three of them until I started looking into it. But a few of my friends had them and I have played, I think it was the first one, this one. I have played them before. I have very vivid memories of the beanstalk level and running down the side of the plants on the giant tomatoes. I have very vivid memories of that. Um, Other than that, the rest of the game was a little bit new to me. Nothing in particular stuck out, which says to me that I did play it, but I probably never owned it because yeah. as I've said before uh, here, I didn't own like a PlayStation was my first actual console that I owned. I was raised in England where the PC scene was a lot more prevalent than it was at the time around the world. So I had things like Amiga's, Commodores, Acorn machines, things like that. What a silly name, an Acorn. It was, hey, hey, hey. It was. Should have been called, was the sequel called an Oak? Oh, oh you're a funny boy. <laughs> That's a clever one. Oh, you, can you. Take, you can take that home to your mom. Oh, you Americans. Hey, mom, you hear a good joke I heard? You Americans and your oak. witticisms. <laughs> oh. I learned from Winston Churchill. What can I say? So... I think you should uh, lead this one because obviously you sound like you have a lot more memories of this game than I do. Okay. Um, well, when I was a little boy and I wanted a Christmas gift, Santa Claus gave me this game. So I can tell you that on Christmas morning, I got this game. Christmas morning is what? Called Box Day in the UK? Christmas morning? No. What are you on about? Boxing Day is the when, day after. 26th. The day... Okay. Well, I don't know because we don't. I've heard Boxing Day is like they now kind of do it in America or whatever, but not when I was a kid. Okay, whatever, man. Christmas Day. I got Magical Quest. I popped that thing in my SNES and I was like, whoa, what is this game? And uh, I I really liked the game. I actually, as a little kid, I was pretty like fascinated with the game because, uh, you know, at that time, I think I had played Aladdin, but I never played an actual Mickey game. It was the first Mickey game I think I ever touched. And I thought it was kind of unique because uh, in the game, you can grab blocks. So in you know, typical Mario games, you know, you obviously jump and hit a block and something comes out of it. But in the Mickey game or Magical Quest, you grab the block and with the Y button. And if you release the Y button, he flings it so it spins forward. And if it hits an enemy, it kills the enemy. And when it does that, it will drop some type of item, such as a coin or a heart to replenish. And then that also includes things like uh, some background objects. In the first level, you have tomatoes. You grab the yep. tomatoes and let them go. The, um, the top of the tomato, uh, I'm forgetting what you would really call that. The stem? The, not, the stem? Yeah, stem, I guess. The stem and leaves, they grow larger. It becomes kind of like a helicopter. So you grab onto that, you could fly up. Later in the game, some of the blocks have up arrows. If you release them, they uh, go straight up. So you have to jump on them really quick. And then you can travel up for a certain period of time before they like break. So I thought I had a really kind of a, I guess, a novel mechanic. Since obviously at the time, everyone was copying 
Mario's platforming skills. But I think what made it a bit unique was that in the game, uh, each major stage, I guess, because there's about six stages roughly, you get three different costumes, which is you get the magic suit where you get like a little turban, you can shoot magic and there is a bar which tells you how much ammo you have left. The next one is the fireman suit where you shoot water because you're in like the hell level. And then the third one is the climbing suit, which has no ammo whatsoever because you shoot out, you know, a little grappling hook. Um, But yeah, I I played this game a lot as a little kid. So when I picked, when I started playing the game again, I thought it was, I recall as a little kid, the game taking a lot more time, but I think I beat it in like 40 or 45 minutes or so. This it was pretty straightforward and fast. I was kind of surprised by kind of how relaxed the game is. Like it's, it has some areas which I guess you could call challenging, but in comparison to say like DuckTales or Aladdin, it's, I would say a lot easier out of the three games. What would yeah. you say? Um, yeah, I thought uh, once again, like the bosses weren't particularly challenged. They were all very telegraphed. Uh, it was pretty generous with the power-ups. Uh, you found kind of life pretty much everywhere and the iframes were pretty good as well. So that if you got hit, there wasn't really any kind of instant death throughout most of the game. And they did a pretty good job of letting you see where you should go, but obviously rewarding kind of exploration as well. So that if you, as you said, threw one of those tomatoes and went straight up, sometimes you'd find a coin box hidden away at the top. Yeah. So it did actually reward sort of some progression, but it was a very straightforward game. Uh, and the the suits added just enough that as you obtained each one, like the level that you obtained it in would be kind of the trial area for that suit. And yeah. then the final kind of, because I think you get, you have the normal suit, just Mickey Mouse's classic costume on level one. And then each progressive level, you get a new suit. So up until level four, you kind of just use one suit per level. And then five and six kind of act as a, all right, put it all together now kind of stage. Yeah. So yeah, I say like, go on, sorry. I was just going to say, I didn't think anything was ever particularly challenging or difficult. I thought it was very nice paced, Uh, not slow, but there was no... Uh, how to say it like stereotypical side-scrolling bullshit where the enemies indefinitely spawn just from outside of the screen i felt it was a very fair game where you weren't constantly bombarded by things coming onto the screen non-stop yeah i would call it a lazy sunday game yeah yeah definitely i think but my only like true critique of the game is that i think the mountain climbing suit with the grappling hook was the most like in a sense useless suit because it only works for that one stage and then there's not there's never really any other point to use it i mean you can use it but essentially it's the least mm, i don't know used suit the least convenient i don't know how you want to use it so there's not much point to it no it serves as kind of like a traversal tool and that's basically it yeah you never they never give you anything where you really need to get to use it so in the level, when you get the suit, they'll have like these little Mickey circles in the sky, which you can latch on to yeah. to let you swing about. Or um, in that same level, if you there's like this wind that pushes you down these holes. 
And if you time it correctly, uh, you can grab onto the bottom of the level and keep swinging to the right. And then they're actually kind enough to give you like little platforms that you can swing to and actually still beat the level, which I thought was really nice of them. It's like, wow, I've, I can't think of any game which is like, oh, we see that you tried hard. So come on, we'll help you out to make sure you can beat it. I mean, I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. I didn't really notice that because, like I said, the game does a pretty good job of being just challenging enough that you have to pay attention to what you're doing, but not hard enough that it takes, um, as we said, with uh, Aladdin, certain stages of that where you have to kind of be laser focused on it and go, okay, I've died, I've died, I've died. Right, I got the pattern down. This time I'm going to do it. So I thought it was a very fair, balanced game. Um, I think in regards to the art, the art was pretty nice, quite expressive. The music, I don't think the music really stood out to me. No, music was fairly forgettable, I would say. Which I thought was quite shocking since they have quite a rich tapestry of that point to pull from the things that Mickey Mouse had been in. Yeah, I agree with you on that. So whether or not they wanted it to stand on its own or they just didn't have the license to pull from that pool of music. But I felt it's a very fantasy setting. They could have been pulling from Fantasia and things like that, but I don't know if they wanted to just have it to stand on its own two legs or not. Yeah. I felt the music overall was just pretty dull and almost repetitive, especially after playing the other two games. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, whether or not they just thought that brand recognition alone with Mickey Mouse would pull the game through it, or, I mean, like I said, it could be upsetting no end of people by saying that it was a forgettable soundtrack, but DuckTales kind of had that short, like, catchy loop where it gets stuck in your head. Aladdin was obviously banking off, oh, the soundtrack is, like, really good to this film. Let's take the iconic sounds and songs and add those in. And I just don't think Mickey Mouse had that. They just didn't use anything that would have kind of got it stuck in your head. So, which is quite shocking as well from Capcom's point of view, since they gave us like Street Fighter, most of the tracks from that are very memorable, Breath of Fire, Phoenix Wright. So it's not like they can't write catchy songs. They just didn't for this one. Yeah, I agree. I don't know why. I thought it was really weird when I went back to the game where I was just like, this music is just boring. Yep. It's just that. And it just kind of drones. Yeah. Like, duh, duh. <laughs> I don't uh, know. It's kind of like just that. I mean, luckily, the gameplay carries it for me that there's enough, I would say, almost RPG elements. Yeah. Because I know you can upgrade the suits, like, half cost for the powers or something like that, I think. Yeah, as you collect more coins, like 300 coins to do it. Yeah. So I liked that. I like the, there was a little bit of choice. It was almost kind of like um, Metroid when you get like different suit abilities and things like that, just without the backtracking. Yeah. So I thought it was a solid game and I had fun with it. And I, I like the sprites. They're nice yeah, and big. Definitely. There were, when I was looking at reviews at the time, like the most praise that was lavished on it was nice, big, colorful sprites that definitely imitated the source material. Yeah. So there's no complaints there for me. It's like, like I said, for most people, it's a quibble. Some people don't really pay much attention to the music for game. I personally do. Uh, some of the things that I constantly have on my phone that I'm listening to are soundtracks. I'm in no way, shape or form a musician, but I can just 
to me, like music is a big part of a game. And if it you falls can appreciate short, a banger, I can. I can appreciate a fat tune. Something that I can like shake my booty down the street to as I'm on my way to my work. Cute. I know I get looks on the train every day from the Japanese uh, population of like, mm, damn, that guy must be listening to some jet set radio. Look at those hams go. You bust out your roller skates like, hey, guys, who's ready to do some 1970s roller groove? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, no way. Like uh, when I was living in England, a guy would go to work like that on roller skates. And I'd be like, oh, Jesus, you are the whitest person I've ever seen. See, I'd like the colorful little short shorts and the tank top and everything. It's like, oh. See, I, I think it's fine if it's relegated to the beach area. Because, like, this you know, wasn't, this we was have Venice Beach city. where people do that. Yeah. In yeah. the city, is it's kind of awkward. I'm like, all right, cool. If, I wonder what's going to happen if you, like, hit, like, you know, just like uh, some type of rock or, you know, when the street's not level and you fall over. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, I kind of went off track there again. But yeah, the point is, for me, a lot of the songs that I listen to when I'm like writing for this or piecing things together or doing some video editing work is usually game soundtracks. And uh, if you've not heard of him, because I don't think he's super famous still, Smooth McGroove. Um, I thought he's pretty famous amongst game, like gaming yeah. music, no? I would check out him or uh, Suko. Um, Suko. They, yeah, he's like a... Who's Suko? I can't remember the last part of his um, YouTube name, but he's like he does a lot of his own songs. He does uh, anime and game covers. And one of the things I used to like about him as well is he used to do kazoo covers of video game songs. Oh, that's pretty good. So it was. I'll send you a link later for him. Uh, I'm just gonna try and. Uh, what is it? Kazoo. The it was called Kazood. Suko G. Okay. He does uh, Kazood versions of songs. I'll send you one later. But yeah, for me, basically, music is a big part of the experience. It's part of the package, and I don't ever think it should be undervalued or lowballed. Basically. Yeah. Which I think wraps off that trilogy of games quite nicely. If you had to put a number on them. Oh, what? what? Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll put a number. Then I have a question for you about Disney stuff. Uh, I would say favorite one, DuckTales Remaster. Uh, Then I would say Aladdin Genesis. And then I would put Aladdin SNES and then Magical Quest last. Just because, like, Magical Quest is great. I got a lot. I got got some good memories, but uh, it just doesn't play as solid as the other ones do for yeah. me but yeah i think it'd be about the same for me um ducktales aladdin then um disney just because like you said it's kind of out of the three of them slightly more forgettable than the other two but still a solid experience yeah um what i wanted to ask was okay top three disney films and top three disney characters including all Disney characters. It could be like princesses, you know, princes, whatever. Okay, right. Well, you give me yours first because I just need to fact check something real quick. <laughs> All right. Number one movie for me, Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch is like one of the best Disney films I've ever seen. 
Uh, number two is going to be Aladdin. Aladdin hit hard for me as a little kid. And then number three is probably be Little Mermaid because the very first Disney movie I ever saw in the theater as a young kid. So I have a lot of memory attached to it. Mm. Um, and then for top three Disney characters, um, if we include like the princesses and stuff, then I'm going to say Nani from Lilo and Stitch because she's the most realistic Disney character I've ever seen out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Jasmine? Because Jasmine was like Bay when I was a little kid. I loved Jasmine. Uh, man, she, she was hot as a kid. What can I say? And then three, I'm going to go with uh, Donald Duck because Donald, ah, I don't know, Donald or Scrooge. I, I was a huge fan of both of them growing up. They're almost tied. I, uh, I even dressed as like Donald Duck when I was a little kid and I can do the sound. So Donald Duck is pretty boss for me. Also the fact that he's like so volatile as a character and just loses his shit all the time and like goes nuts. I don't know. Donald is just relatable. Mickey was always like too nice guy for me. Goofy was fun. Pluto's a dog. I don't care. Minnie's like Mickey, but just female version. So I don't care. Donald's just cool. I like him. And then Scrooge is like the, the more asshole version of Donald, which means I got some love for him too. So, okay. How about yourself? So movie then characters for movie. I've just had a little search around and it seems to be tied to them, but I'll leave it up to you to decide. Uh, Is nightmare before Christmas, a Disney thing. I don't, isn't, isn't it Amblin pictures? Because it says it has Oh, but it's already Kingdom Hearts. Though. Yeah, it had something to do with it, but I don't think it's like a direct Disney thing. And this is what confuses uh-huh. me because of like what you said, Kingdom Hearts has kind of muddied the water by it being in there. Yeah. So I would say I'll give you four then, just to play okay. devil's advocate. So if I'm allowed. It would be Nightmare Before Christmas is number one because I watched okay. that thing until I wore out the VHS tape. Oh, shit. Then after that, I would probably say, if that's not allowed, my number one would be Hercules. Hercules is pretty good. That's pretty good. Underrated film, but yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, I'd have Hercules, then probably Aladdin because, again, that was one I watched all the time. And then probably... See, I'd either say I'd probably just go with Lion King. Everyone chooses Lion King. I mean, it, it's a good, it's a good film. Don't get me wrong, it's a good if one. I couldn't have Lion King. Then I guess another one, if I wasn't having Lion King. So the three, if I wasn't going to choose the ones that stand out, there would be Hercules, Aladdin, and then probably Aristocats. Aristocats are my good one. So Aristocats, I really liked because I just have a lot of memories. Again, it's also one of my mom's favorite ones. So we pretty much wore out the VHS tape watching it over and over. It's got good music too. Yep. It's got got a lot of jam. Um, And then three favorite Disney characters. Oh, geez. I would probably say Hades because it's James Woods. And the guy's just amazing. Like, I loved the level of sarcasm in that movie. Like, I could. He was probably, very good as Hades, for sure. Yeah, I could probably populate this list with Hercules characters. Like also, I, you know, Dane DeVito as Phil is great. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I could pretty much just say Hades, Phil, and Meg, because they're all heavily sarcastic, flawed characters. Meg was one of the strongest, I would say, Disney girls, for sure. 
But if I can only go one per film, it would be Hades. Then I would probably say uh, the Genie from Aladdin. It's Robin Williams. Can't say enough yeah. of that. And then ooh, probably Winnie the Pooh because you're British. I like Winnie the Pooh, but as a character, he's not that interesting in his earlier days. Christopher Robin. He is a meme lord nowadays, so that kind of puts him up there. But I would Xi say, <laughs> yeah, I would say <laughs> number three would probably be. Uh, I had it in my head, and then you shouted Winnie the Pooh, and now it's fallen out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's obviously Winnie the Pooh. No, uh, if I was going to say, if you're going to have one from Winnie the Pooh, then it'd be Tigger. Tigger's cool. Because I have, uh, a, okay, so I have was... a bounce and pounce Tigger at home. How cute. Was it? Was Tigger your number three, or was it someone else? It was someone else, but it's like you've just Was it forced, boy or girl? You forced that thought out of my mind. Um, we can find it. Boy or girl? See, I don't even remember. It's completely dropped out of my head now. You just It was one of those was things where I was... No, it wasn't was it Aladdin? Donald? No. Pluto? Goofy? Mickey? I was going to say, like uh, again, if you're like factoring in was it modern versions of things, Goofy Baymax. would be a solid choice for number three. Because uh, those Mickey Mouse shorts cartoons, they're hilarious. Oh, the ones on YouTube? The newer ones, yeah. Yeah, the ones on so, YouTube are really good. The one that always... Where, where Mickey's like, ooh, daddy happy. Yeah, where he pours all the ice cream down his pants like, ooh, daddy likey. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite one, <laughs> though, is... Um, Goofy looks like an alcoholic. <laughs> Goofy, like, accidentally injures Pluto and takes his place in the dog... Uh, dog show and they have to yeah. do sit roll over and the last one's beg and obviously the yeah. dogs beg like normal and goofy like breaks down on the floor and is like baby please don't leave she meant nothing to me i can change <laughs> i need to watch it that's so good i was just those like, disney shorts are so good though like, oh my god these are like they're entertaining to kids because it's just loud noises but i like heard that and i was like Jesus Christ, this is like fully aimed at adults. Like Goofy, and then there's the other one as well where he, they're trying to get him a girlfriend. Like he sees the serving woman, uh, like in the diner, and he's like, Oh, yeah. like, oh, I think I'm in love. And they spend the whole episode trying to like get him rich or give him money. And then uh, it turns out that he just wants the sandwich that she was holding. And then, oh, yeah, he's like, talking really low and dirty to it he's like oh baby <laughs> and then the thing i like as well is like they when they're trying to get him rich donald takes them to go and see scrooge mcduck and he yeah. has that huge bouncer and he just kicks them out of the house as soon as he says he needs money <laughs> so it's just hilarious to me and those shorts if you haven't seen them go and watch them i know we've gone off on a bit of a tangent again but those uh, uh, Mickey Mouse shorts are absolutely. We're incredible. not too much. We're we're on we're on brand still, still Disney, but uh, still. but yeah, <laughs> uh, but everything's retro style too. It's like classic Disney, which yep. I think looks so much better than modern, like the modern take on all the Disney characters. Yeah, so I'll link you the um the Goofy begging one because it's just hilarious. I do like the one where they make an entire. <laughs> a fucking theme park for Goofy because every time he used to drive through Idaho as a kid, it has a sign yeah. saying America's Potato Land. 
and he thinks yeah. Potato Land is a theme park. So they have <laughs> uh, they dress a potato up like Abraham Lincoln, and he does the whole like four score speech, and Goofy yeah. salutes it. And then um, <laughs> something happens, and the potato blows up, and he finds out it's Donald, and he just gets really serious, like Donald, I saluted you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this like harsh snap between stupid kids humor and then this like adults are probably watching we got to give them something as well well classic disney actually kind of had that you know there was uh in the old school mickey comics mickey would use a gun sometimes yeah mickey was like an, a little asshole back in the day so i think it, it's good on disney to uh yep. harken back to that nice you know era Definitely. It's uh it's got that like what is it, nineteen fifties like Americana like the uh platonic family type art style, but then it's like got this modern, like almost the invader zim, like two angry beavers kind of twist of like this is for kids, but it can go dark places if we want it to. Yeah. So before we close out this episode, uh, I just wanted to mention a few things that are coming out recently as well to kind of show that I know Blake doesn't play as many modern games anymore, but I'm still uh, pretty in there for certain games. And two I wanted to highlight this week is uh, first one was they are remake, well, not remaking, I guess remastering one of my favorite Final Fantasy games and probably quite an underrated one is a uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. And that game originally came out for the GameCube and I felt it was severely hampered in the multiplayer department by that absolutely ludicrous setup that you needed to have in order a to GBA, play four A GBA, right? Yeah, a GBA, that link cable, and someone who had a copy of the game and a GameCube to go. And all yeah. four people needed that apart from obviously the GameCube and the game, but you four people had to have bought a copy of that game and have had a separate system to have an entry point to play it. Yeah. And it was not cheap. It was probably like 60, 70 pounds when it came out because they had to include the cable with it. It was like a big cardboard box type thing. So I am so happy that they are bringing it back not just on the Switch, which would have been great for me on its own, but they're putting it on the PS4. And the best part is they're also putting it on the Apple phones, so iOS and Android. And they are giving away a light version of the game. And all four versions are compatible with each other, along with the full version of the game being compatible with the light version. So you can try before you buy and play with the people who already have the game. And I am so excited for that, that now if someone has a console and somebody else wants to try this game, they just have to bring their phone. It's possibly one of the greatest reimaginings of how a multiplayer game should work. Because now, essentially, nobody is excluded from that experience. Yeah. I think that's going to be, you know, I think we spoke about this before in our interview obviously, for people who have been tuning in. But uh, I think that's key to the future of gaming. We need this so people yeah. can interact and play and enjoy things. Yeah. So it's, like the Switch is already a fantastic portable machine. Like I don't really play that many big budget titles that aren't Nintendo exclusives on it, but it is an amazing thing for the indie scene. 
because there are now so many titles that I wouldn't want to sit and play at a console or a computer that I can play on the train. They're thinking of new ways that they can make gaming portable and include everybody else. It's just a fantastic idea, and I just cannot wait for, I believe it's August 22nd that it rolls around. I'll be there day one. The only thing that's going to slow me down is if there is confirmed a box copy because I'm a collector. I definitely want to have the box version. Uh, and the second one, I don't know how much Blake will be able to comment on this, is uh, on the Epic Game Store. I think it's going to be an Epic exclusive, which might turn a few people off. Uh, it might be like the Borderlands thing where it's exclusive for a few months and then it comes over to other platforms. But there is a Dark Souls-like game called Mortal Shell that's just released. <clears throat> and this is a very interesting spin on the Dark Souls formula. Uh, I'm not going to go into it too much because I do want people to go and have a look at it. But it's kind of taking the ideas that have been established in Dark Souls and putting a slight twist on how they work, such as instead of creating your own character, you play as a spirit who possesses the dead bodies of fallen heroes. And the way you level up is to dump experience points in so you actually learn the name of the character who you're controlling. So when you start, it doesn't give you anything about them. But as you level them up, you kind of learn about what they were about, what they were doing, and even how they died. And I think it's just such a clever way of tying the lore of the game world into a core game mechanic. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that sounds pretty fun. So obviously I know, I don't think you really like those types of games anyway, do you, Blake? Uh, it's not bad. I mean, I played Sekiro. At your place, I thought Sekiro was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, I played what was it Bloodborne at your place as well, and yeah. uh, it was okay. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't really care about European European medieval themes, so it doesn't really stand out to me. But uh, because I'm obviously a, a Japanophile weeb lord, uh, Sekiro has ancient Japan. I'm like, oh. Ancient Japan, my heart, it feels so good. You can smell the and, rice uh, balls. Oh, I, I smell beyond rice balls, man. I'm smelling that okonomiyaki. And uh, I just feel like, oh, that, that game's going to hit me because I'm going to see those Japanese maple trees and I'm going to see those sakura and cherry blossoms. And I'm, I'm going to feel like I need to go grab my green tea and sit in my washitsu or my Japanese room with my, uh, you know, cool mats and enjoy a game about japan but for european medieval stuff i don't know man i don't know i feel like i'm gonna get the plague and start like getting fucking buboes all over my body i have to give you some of that <laughs> inquisition play uh, I, I might enjoy that too because you know if maybe if maybe they quoted like monty python i can enjoy the game better if they hit me it's like oh it's just a flesh wound uh <laughs> but like oh yeah I could jump on that game. <laughs> so I know, especially the Crystal Chronicles, for anyone who watches Nintendo Directs, that's going to be at the forefront of a lot of people's mind. But I just, I know we don't have a big audience at the moment, but I just wanted to give some love to some people who are doing some stuff differently. And Nintendo doesn't always get it right. And they've got a, a pretty bad track history of implementing online slash multiplayer functionality. They are somewhat 10, 20 years behind everybody else in that regard. But this yep. 
I feel is a very large step in the right direction. And I am very much anticipating it. And Mortal Shell is just something that's come out of nowhere. Uh, I've played, there's a beta route right now. If you do have a PC and you want to go grab it, I highly recommend it. I played through it twice with both the available characters. It was a good time. It takes some getting used to, but I had fun with it. So hmm. definitely looking forward to both of those. I hope people pick up Crystal Chronicles because we need to encourage this kind of game development going forwards. And I definitely like to see people picking up Mortal Shell because the uh, Dark Souls type game needs a little bit more competition. They're solid games and I don't think from software are going to get complacent anytime soon but it's nice competition is a good thing despite what people think competition drives progress so we need it well yeah we we need it uh i definitely want to try crystal chronicles i never got a chance to play because of you know the requirement situation yeah. i mean i had that stuff but at the time i was like there's no one to play with and I recall reading from, I think, some game magazines that there's certain parts of the game where you at least need one other person to yeah. help you or you can't get past it. You so that can, turned me off to the game. But it's very boring. It is definitely a game that has multiplayer at the forefront. And yeah, yeah like you said, now you can try it because all you need is your phone. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious about that because I'd like to at least try it out. It's one of those GameCube games I wanted to play, but just really couldn't. So hopefully we'll be able to get yourself, me, and a couple of the others together to do some kind of like, I know it's got online f functionality, but I always think those games are the most fun, kind of in the same room on the couch, trying to go through yeah. the thing. So hopefully we'll yelling be yelling at people. Yep, <laughs> definitely. You yelling at people, our mutual friend, uh, we'll call him Mr. E, just, uh, being, yeah, just being clueless and dropping stuff and just basically being a, a general delight to be around. And then maybe our friend, Papa Pagonia. Uh, was it Pagonia? Pagonia. <laughs> oh, pa pa Pata, Patago what is it? The brand. Patagonia. Yeah. I think Papa Begonia. So I was like, what? Yeah, I can't remember brand names. Uh, Patagonia. I was going to call him the Kiwi. The Kiwi. No, I think uh, your observation <laughs> of him wearing that shirt now that he is a father was pretty spot on. Let's see if it those people know who they are when they listen. They should know. They should know. But we have rambled for long enough. Thank oh, you once again. Oh, yeah, thank on, you. Then. But uh, one thing I'd like to say really quick is uh, everyone, uh, the Culture Christian Podcast has released our oh, yes. episode a few days ago. So please give it a listen for anyone who's been following us along and has heard our interview with Kurt. I think you'd really appreciate it. You, I think you would be, uh, sorry, it'd be a good starting point for you guys to kind of be introduced to who Kurt is and yep. uh, what he talks about. So please check it out. He's on Apple Podcasts. He's on Spotify, the Cultured Christian Podcast. Check it out. I will probably dump links to that below ours as well, just so that people awesome. can find it a little bit easier. But yeah, please go check that out. Kurt's a great guy. Uh, we've continued chatting with him uh, separately and together since we've recorded he's a great guy yeah. he's got a wonderful show uh he's just a really nice person to talk to so please yep head that way give kurt some love as well tell him the boys sent you <laughs> see you yeah but uh on that note thank you very much everyone and we will see you next week so bye-bye for now adios